It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Today is Wednesday, February 17th, 2021. On this day in 2014, British teenager Breck Bednar was found murdered. The night before, he went to meet an online friend in person for the first time. It wound up being the last thing he ever did. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm joined by our guest host, Greg Polson of Parcast's own Serial Killers, which he co-hosts with yours truly. He also hosts our shows Haunted Places and Urban Legends. He's here to discuss some of the historical aspects of today's story, while I'll cover the narrative. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of grooming, sexual assault, pedophilia, and graphic violence that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me to discuss the tragic story of Breck Bedner. Now let's go back to the evening of February 16, 2014, just outside of Surrey, England. Breck Bedner crossed the street carefully, heavy backpack over his shoulder. It was a Sunday, and he didn't have any homework since the day after was the first day of half-term. Most of his friends would be online, whiling away their free hours playing video games together. But today was different for Breck. All his computer equipment was stored in his backpack. He had told his father that he was going to visit his friend Tom. Breck's father, overjoyed to hear that his son was doing some in-person socializing, let him go without a second thought. However, Breck wasn't actually going to see Tom. He was just going to see someone named Lewis. Lewis was paying for Breck's journey from his phone to the cab he had to take all the way to Essex. The trip from Surrey to Essex was about an hour's drive, a taxi ride would be pricey for anyone, especially a boy of 14. But Lewis told Breck he didn't mind. After all, he had millions to spare. If the cabbie was suspicious of a teenager taking such a lengthy journey, he didn't object. His money was as good as anybody's. It's hard to imagine what kind of anticipation Breck felt in the back seat of that cab. Lewis's promises were just the thing that could launch a promising career, make him set for life. Wealth, opportunity, friendship. After Breck stepped out of the cab, nobody saw him again for hours. And when they did, he was past helping. Now, when someone disappears in the 21st century, there's usually a digital ripple effect. Slowly, one by one, their disappearance touches people that they know and hints that something has gone wrong. 
At some point on the 17th, Breck's mother received a text from her ex-husband, Barry, saying that their son had not returned. Barry told her that Breck had texted the night before asking if he could sleep over, which Barry allowed. But that was the last he had heard from their son. Sebastian, one of the boy's three siblings, received an ominous text from a friend. It said, if what happened to your brother is real, then I'm really sorry. One of the boy's gaming friends, Tom, was awake early on the 17th. He saw Lewis, who Breck was supposed to meet up with, come online. Lewis sent a message saying there had been an accident. The story he told Tom was nearly identical to the one he told the police when he called 999, the English equivalent of 911. Lewis's voice was understated when he spoke to the dispatcher. He asked for police and a forensics team to come to his address. He said he'd gotten into a fight with a friend and they had died. Police were on the scene immediately. When they arrived, they found Breck Bedner's body. He was dead from multiple knife wounds. Lewis claimed Breck had arrived in a highly distressed state, even talking in ways that seemed suicidal. He said that Breck had pulled the knife on him and, in his own words, quote, in self-defense, I put my left arm up to block him from stabbing me effectively. We struggled. I got him to the ground. He got up, I grabbed the knife, and I stabbed him once in the back of the neck, I believe somewhere near the brainstem. The police gathered their evidence, including Breck's personal belongings, which had been left untouched. No one was jumping to any conclusions yet, especially with how forthright Lewis had been to the police. But Breck's friends and family already had a piece of evidence in their possession that cast doubt on this claim of self-defense. The killer had posted pictures of his victim online. Coming up, we discuss the aftermath of Breck Bedner's murder and the circumstances that led to it. Listeners, I am thrilled to tell you that this month marks a huge milestone for ParCast. It's the four-year anniversary of another fantastic podcast I host called Serial Killers. If you haven't had a chance to dive into the stories and psychology behind the most nightmarish murderers of all time, there's no better time than right now to start listening. Each week, we enter the minds, the methods, and the madness of the world's most sadistic serial killers. From the son of Sam, David Berkowitz, and the co-ed killer Edmund Kemper, to Eileen Wardos, Ed Gein, and coming soon, the night stalker Richard Ramirez. And this February, look out for our four-part special on couples who kill, following the worst love has to offer. Their names may sound ordinary, but their atrocities are anything but. Trust me, you do not want to miss it. With hundreds of episodes available to binge and new ones released weekly, get to know the killers, crimes, and cases that forever changed the face of history. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Serial Killers. New episodes air every Monday and Thursday, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the story. On February 16, 2014, 14-year-old Breck Bedner took a cab to meet Louis Danes, an 18-year-old friend he made while gaming online. Shortly after arriving in Louis's Essex flat, 
Breck was killed, and images of his body circulated online. News of Breck's death reached his family by word of mouth, seemingly before it was confirmed publicly by the police. As the investigation continued, circumstances looked more and more unfavorably on Louis Danes. In the weeks preceding the attack, he had bought a number of suspicious items online, including duct tape and condoms. The police had enough evidence to arrest him for murdering Breck. Despite protesting his innocence through his arrest, Lewis pleaded guilty in November of that same year. He was given a life sentence, with a minimum of 25 years before he would be eligible for parole. Greg here will dive into the circumstances surrounding young Breck Bedner's murder. Thanks, Vanessa. Like many boys his age, Breck had a passion for online gaming and computer programming. He had a particular aptitude for Battlefield, a game he often played with his friends Liam, Matt, and Tom. Breck and his friends met Louis Danes on a server Louis ran. Louis, who seemed older than all of them, became something of an authority figure among the group. His increasingly wild claims, however, started to sow doubt among the teenagers. For instance, he claimed to be a self-made millionaire who ran his own company out of an apartment in New York City. His particular focus on Breck made many people in Breck's life uneasy. By her own account, Breck's mother, Lauren, grew uncomfortable with the amount of influence this mysterious Lewis had on her son's life. And she wasn't the only one. Liam and Matt were beginning to wonder why this guy wouldn't ever get on Skype with them or even show them a picture of his face. Eventually, they left the server, and Lauren wound up contacting the Surrey police in December of 2013. The police heard her concerns, but did not follow up. If they had, they would have heard that Louis Danes, who was actually an 18-year-old living in Essex, was investigated for the rape and sexual assault of a 15-year-old three years earlier. This case became a textbook example of grooming and the dangers of meeting strangers online. Louis Danes' motivation was deemed to be sexual and sadistic due to condoms and semen present at the crime scene. In the following years, Lauren and her ex-husband, Barry, successfully sued the Surrey police for mishandling their son's case. Meanwhile, Breck's murderer did not remain silent. In November of 2015 and January of 2016, two separate blog posts appeared online, each titled An Open Letter from Louis Danes. It appeared that Louis was illegally blogging from prison. The first of these claims responsibility for Breck's death, but also alleges that Breck was suffering from domestic abuse at home. The second was an extended effort to pick apart inconsistencies with the media depictions of the case. Now, we do not credit the word of a convicted murderer on the show, but Vanessa has a short excerpt from the second blog post. Thanks, Greg. The second blog post says, I will not go into fine detail about what Breck and I were creating computer-wise. If I had been this grooming predator, intent on killing someone, then I could have easily left the scene and used my passport and airline ticket, and my substantial funds, and left the country. One has to ask themselves, why then call 999? In fact, I could have left the scene and fled to any numerous destinations, but I did not. My actions do not fit the profile that has been created by the media and family. The irony of this blog is that it fits this profile perfectly. A man who groomed a 14-year-old over first-person shooter games, then stabbed him at home, 
sounds like just the kind of person who would blog from prison and try and rehabilitate his image. And though Breck Bedner will never get true justice, at least Louis Danes will never be able to use the shield of online anonymity to hurt someone ever again. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thanks again to Greg Polson for joining me today. Thanks for having me. You can find our podcast, Serial Killers, on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Robert Teamstra, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon, fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and stars Vanessa Richardson and Greg Polson. Listeners, don't forget to check out the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Every Monday and Thursday, take a deep dive into the minds and madness of history's most notorious murderers. You can binge hundreds of episodes, four years worth, and catch new episodes weekly. Listen to Serial Killers free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.